One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And we're your hosts. And we're sisters. And we're murder, murdery, murder, <laughs> preoccupied, <laughs> and we're murderers. <laughs> we are preoccupied with murders, but we have never committed them and don't plan on committing them. But we're here to tell you about some today. Are you going to agree with me? Or are you just worried? <laughs> I know you're just worried. <laughs> What have I gotten myself thinking, into? Thinking about the past. <laughs> if you've ever murdered anybody. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Woo, we'll just jump right into it. And uh, of course, just real quick, we have a lot to say about what's going on in the world, of course. So stick around for that at the end. But otherwise, take it away, Sadie. I will do it. I know. I feel like it's been like seven years since we recorded last. and it's Yeah. Been like- less than a week so yeah i know yeah. i know yep so tonight i'm going to talk to you about the disappearance of tamra keepness i got most of this information from an article in the walrus titled little girl lost by Jana g pruden the last time anyone saw tamra she was five years old with bobbed black hair and soft round cheeks her smile was described as broad and open her eyes lively She was so smart that her mother called her, quote, my little Einstein, and so feisty that when a little boy pushed her once, she shoved him right back even harder. Tamara lived with her mother, stepfather, and five siblings. One of her siblings was her twin sister, in a, quote, shabby house just east of downtown Regina, Saskatchewan. The neighborhood was a mix of longtime elderly residents, young families drawn by low housing prices, and rundown homes where residents struggled with poverty and addiction. The area was sometimes known as the, quote, low stroll, a known spot to find sex workers. Many of the women and girls who lived or worked in the area were First Nations, like Tamara. The area had a history of women going missing on the streets, never to be seen again. Tamara's neighborhood was also home to many halfway houses that sheltered ex-convicts recently let out of prison, often for violent sexual offenses. Tamara and her twin sister, Tannis, were born on September 1st, 1998, to their parents, Lorena and Troy Keepness. The family was from the White Bear First Nation in southeast Saskatchewan. 
Shortly after the twins were born, Lorena and Troy separated, resulting in the two girls splitting their time between their parents. Most of the time, they lived with their mother and her live-in boyfriend, his name was Dean MacArthur, and their siblings. Tamara was described as bold and courageous and protective of her twin sister. Once, Lorena heard a soft knock in the middle of the night and opened the door to find the twins standing there. The children had left their father's house and walked four blocks back to Lorena's in the middle of the night. Oh, God. I know. Tamara leading her sister by the hand as they found their way through the dark. Buddies. Tamara's upbringing wasn't carefree. Social services had been involved with the family soon after the oldest child was born in 1993, and there had been more than 50 reports made to crisis workers, Mm. usually about Lorena's drug and alcohol abuse and neglect of the children. Mm -hmm. Dean had a history of violence and domestic assault. He had served two months of a three-month sentence for assaulting Lorena while in a drunken rage. Jeez, Louise. On the evening of July 5th, 2004, Lorena, Dean, and all five children were in the living room watching television. At some point, Lorena and Dean got into an argument, which they claim was about nothing serious. At around 8.30 p.m., Dean decided to leave the house to cool down. While out, he ran into Russell Sheepskin, a man who sometimes resided in the family's basement, and the pair decided to grab a few drinks together. Mm. Before heading to the bar, Dean made a stop at a nearby 7-Eleven to buy formula for his and Lorena's nine-month-old baby, which he later dropped off at the house. Lorena spent the majority of the evening with her children. Between 10.30 and 11 p.m., she sent them to bed and decided to head to a friend's townhouse located a block over, leaving her eldest, 11-year-old Summer, in charge of her siblings. Oh, boy. After a while, she and her friend went out to purchase more alcohol, and Lorena stopped by the house to check on things. When she returned to her friend's residence, she called Summer and told her to ring if she needed anything. Mm. I know. I'm thinking over, <laughs> thinking about how I started babysitting at 11. I know. Um, well, I, I think I babysat you at 11. I don't think I babysat other people until I was uh, the ripe old age of 12. <laughs> yeah, I was 11. And it was two two-year-old twins and yeah. their four-year-old sister. Oh, my God. It was incredibly overwhelming. I mean, insane? I didn't grow up with them. I wasn't their sister, obviously. But, like, yep. Yeah. 11 as young. It was very overwhelming. I remember being, I was probably 13 and babysitting four kids, four four boys under the age of five. And they lived down a driveway that was over a mile long. And on the way down, the dad was like, there's the van if you need to go anywhere. And I was like, <laughs> I'm a child. And then we went to play at this pond because, you know, that was a super smart move on my part. And the, I turned around and two of the boys had put the baby who was like one in a boat and was pushing him <laughs> off into the middle of the pond. Oh. Yeah, man. No. Yes. Yeah. It was the eighties. Oh, I guess this was the nineties. It was the same difference, man. It's a fucking wild, wild west. So at 12 AM on July 6th, Russell returned to the house very drunk. He made himself some food and Russell's the one that would live in their basement. Uh-huh. He made himself food and checked on the children. He recalls seeing some of them, including Tamara, sleeping in the living room, meaning that they must have come downstairs after Lorena put them to bed. Mm -hmm. A couple of hours later, Russell was smoking a cigarette on the front porch when he encountered Dean. The pair got into a physical fight. They both state it had nothing to do with Tamara. Dean punched Russell through a window and stomped on his head. What? Yeah. Good God. 
Russell was injured and went to the hospital to get stitches. He claims he didn't lock the front door before leaving. Uh, How he remembers that, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he just never locked the front door? Yeah, yeah, who knows. Probably. I just wonder, like, if you're drunk and you've had uh, yeah. been stomped on the head. and uh, Yeah, yeah. It's not the kind of detail that you would be super clued into. After the fight, Dean decided to walk to his aunt's house where he planned to spend the night. Though it should have been a short walk, he said he got lost and kept passing out as he walked there. Mm -hmm. He didn't end up arriving until two hours later, sometime between 5 a.m. and 5.30 (laughs) a.m. You just just stay where you land at that point. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh Yep. So police reports claim that no one saw Dean during the time that he was drunk walking around. Mm-hmm. At around 3 a.m., Lorena returned to the house to find all the doors locked, so she had to climb through a window to get inside. Mm. She was drunk at the time and doesn't quite remember if she saw her children asleep in the living room. However, she did state that she recalls seeing Tannis and Summer before she fell asleep on the couch. Mm. At some point in the morning on July 6th, Tamara's older brother, Rain, felt her leave the bed they shared. While he doesn't remember the exact time, he does recall it was starting to get light out. At 9 a.m., Tamara's grandmother came by for a visit and woke Lorena, who was nursing a hangover. Around this time, Summer and Rain left the house to attend a day camp at a nearby community center. Lorena didn't realize Tamara was missing until about three hours later. Oh my god. When the five-year-old didn't come downstairs to eat. Ugh. Lorena told one of the children to go wake her up so they could go for a walk, but she wasn't in her bed. Oh, no. After checking nearby playgrounds and contacting friends and relatives, at 12.16 p.m., a family member called the police and told them that Tamara was missing. Mm. Police started with a thorough search of the area immediately around the home and then cast their efforts outward in an expanding grid. As the sun rose on the morning of July 7th, the search effort intensified and the number of searchers grew. Some officers accompanied trained volunteer search teams. Others questioned family members and potential witnesses, going door-to-door, gathering leads, or chasing down tips. The RCMP Training Academy provided cadets, and members of the public soon began arriving on their own to help. Police set up a command center in the parking lot of a nearby church. Even though it was an urban environment, the terrain still posed serious challenges. The area was filled with overgrown yards, empty houses, piles of garbage, Tamara weighed 40 pounds and stood three foot five. There were so many places a child could hide or get trapped or be held, where a child's body could be concealed or dumped. Searchers in orange vests worked in grids, knocking on doors, inspecting junked cars and crumbling garages, peering under discarded mattresses and piles of wood, looking down manholes. Police stopped garbage pickups, checking all the bins in the neighborhood. Wow. Some bins. Huh? I just said, wow, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some bins had already been emptied, so plans were made to search the dump as well. The next day, Lorena allowed the police and forensics teams to search the house. They found the broken window and blood spatter on the porch. Um, and when I was reading different articles, some claimed it was from the fight the night before. Right, right. And others said it was suspicious. Right. So I don't really know what... Uh, police are still pretty tight-lipped about it, so I don't know mm-hmm. what they actually think. Right. They found no signs of forced entry or a struggle. Police questioned sex offenders in the area. They also obtained surveillance footage of the area uh, from bars, gas stations, convenience stores, and a nearby Greyhound station. Mm -hmm. Family and volunteers printed posters and posted them all over town. 
After being missing three days, her story became national news. The front page of the Regina Leader Post spoke directly to her, asking, quote, Tamara, where did you go? Tips flooded into police and rumors spread like wildfire. Lorena and Dean said they gave police the names of five people they thought could be suspects, including a man who had befriended Tamara and was later discovered to be a pedophile. Ugh. For a while, there was even a theory that Tamara had never existed at all, that she had been a scam to get extra money from social services. What? But the hospital records proved that that was not the case. Jesus. I would also like to say that I don't believe that that would have been some wild theory that people made up if she hadn't been indigenous. Right. Know? I was like, like if it was I'm, a white girl absolutely. that was missing. Nobody would ever, ever. No. Be like, oh, they just made her up to collect. That's, yeah. No. I, I was just like, I've never heard that before. I've right. heard of people, you know, like, oh, grandma died. We'll just keep that to ourselves for a little while. You right. know what I mean? But that's right. actually usually white people that I've heard do that, right. too. Well, yeah. Never no, heard somebody don't. just invent a baby. Well, and people Jesus. knew her, and there wasn't an ever a question. It was right. just a wild theory. That's fucked up. Just, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. What an awful thing to do to somebody who's lost a child. Right. When Tamara had been gone a week, police announced they were suspending the ground searches. At a press conference, Regina Police Chief Cal Johnston announced a $25,000 reward for information and vowed, quote, we will find Tamara. Johnston confirmed that, quote, criminal interference with Tamara is a distinct possibility and drew attention back to Tamara's house and family. Quote, there were comings and goings from the house that night that remain not fully explained to our satisfaction. Yeah. And we continue to ask those questions. I know what a nightmare to just have had so many people come in and out all night at odd hours and right. be intoxicated. Yeah. yeah. So there's no clear eyewitnesses, no clear timeline. Mm -hmm. When reporters asked for more details, he wouldn't elaborate. Mm -hmm. Tamara's family was growing increasingly angry at the police and the strain of the situation started to show. Lorena felt that they were focusing too much on her family and not enough on trying to find Tamara. She was angry that police hadn't closed the highways out of the city and that there was no Amber Alert for 10 days Oof. because of, I know, because at first police said it didn't meet the criteria. How? I, I don't know. I couldn't find out what, uh -huh. I, I don't know. Uh -huh. My speculation is that because they were thinking it was something that happened within the family. Right. But even so. Yeah, you get Amber Alerts within families all the time. Hey, we went to school with somebody who got an Amber Alert set on him. <laughs> if that tells you anything about where we went to school. Uh-huh. I'm just wondering, do you have to have a vehicle? Is that part of the Amber Alert? It's a great question. Like if... Right. Because the whole point is to be able to spot the vehicle on the road. Right. So maybe that's... Could be. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now and not listen to you for a moment. Continue. That's fine. I'm fed up, she told reporters. They are wasting time. This is my little girl we're talking about. Mm -hmm. The family was growing frustrated with the media, too. Lorena's mother yelled obscenities at reporters one day, and on another, members of the family nearly came to blows with a TV reporter doing a live update from the front lawn. Yikes. They had been watching the news inside the house when they heard the reporter imply what many in the city were already wondering. If not someone in that house, then who? Mm -hmm. On July 19... Two weeks after Tamara had been reported missing, police charged Dean with assaulting Russell the night Tamara disappeared. Dean told reporters he had been interrogated for 20 hours, not about the assault, but about Tamara and what had gone on the night uh, she went missing. So that they used that as an excuse to get him in there to question about the, the baby? Yes. Got it. 
quote, it was always the same questions and they were assuming that I knew the answers to those questions, but I didn't know the answers and I still don't know the answers. He said, I would never hurt a hair on that little girl's head. Mm -hmm. Two days later, Tamara's brothers and sisters were removed from the home by child protection officers. Neither government officials nor police would say whether it was related to Tamara's disappearance. Lorena's children were never permanently returned to her custody after that, and the three babies that she had after Tamara's disappearance were all taken by social services as well. Mm-hmm. When the children were gone, police searched the house again. Regina police received more than a thousand tips in the first weeks after Tamara's disappearance. At one point, a Volkswagen van that had been stolen the night that Tamara disappeared was found burned outside the city. A jail guard told police that she and a former inmate had stolen it, picked up Tamara, and then dumped the child's body in a ravine on the Mescalpatug First Nation. The police led a week-long search in the area, draining multiple beaver dams with compressor pumps while searchers slogged through the water up to their hips. The jail guard later confessed that she had made up the story. She was charged with mischief and wrote a letter apologizing to the police. In court, her lawyer said that she had been trying to get her abusive boyfriend locked up again. Oh my god, what a monster. Shame on her. Mm-hmm. Officers had spoken with more than 6,000 people by the fall of 2004, but there had been no arrests and leads were drying up. A special task force was formed to re-examine the case to see whether anything had been missed. In October 2005, searchers brought in cadaver dogs to aid in the investigation. They searched around Regina for three days with a specific focus on the north end of Winnipeg Street, mm. Wiscana Lake, and Wiscana Creek. This would be one of the last major searches for Tamara. The search was scaled back in April of 2006. Mm -hmm. In August of 2008, seven officers were assigned to work exclusively on the case. The reward for information was doubled to $50,000 in June of 2014. The increase was approved by the Regina Board of Police Commissioners, and it has been renewed every year. The police chief hopes the continuation of the reward serves as a message to the family to show they still care about finding Tamara. Uh, the last public development came in November of 2014 when a Reddit user with the name My Secret Is Out posted a drawn map with the words, quote, location of Tamara Keepness, check the wells. Uh-oh. The person later wrote that the map belonged to their grandmother and had come from a great aunt who had visited an inmate in Alberta. Quote, we, like many others, haven't forgotten about you, Tamara, and continue to search and hope you are found, uh, is what the person posted. Mm -hmm. So saying that someone in his family visited an inmate who gave them that information. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. yep. Police searched 21 wells around Mescalpatug, but found nothing. As years passed, Lorena has heard many theories about what happened to her daughter. Some believe Tamara wandered away and was abducted by a driver cruising the area, or that she got lost, then crawled in somewhere so small that she'd never been found. Other theories focus on the adults in the house that night. Some officers will say off the record that they think Tamara is in the garbage dump, but they just couldn't find her in the mountains of debris. Many in the city believe that Lorena and Dean sold or traded Tamara to pay off a cocaine debt. Oh no. Lorena has heard that one the most. Have there is there any evidence of that? No. No. That's just them being prejudiced against their addiction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lorena has developed her own theories about what happened to her daughter. She mainly thinks about a transient who used to stay with them, a woman Lorena knew from when she was a girl, a woman who sometimes told people that she was pregnant even when she wasn't, mm -hmm. who Lorena knew by one name but whose medical document said something else. The woman was around so much that Lorena's children called her Big Auntie. Mm-hmm. 
Big Auntie had been staying at the house before Tamara disappeared, but left after she and Lorena had a falling out. Lorena says that it took a long time to realize that Big Auntie wasn't coming around anymore. When she did, she put word out on the streets, but no one there had seen her either. Mm-hmm. Big Auntie didn't even show up for her own sister's funeral in Regina a few years back. Lorena says she told the police about Big Auntie many times, but doesn't know whether they ever found her or whether they even looked. Quote, She's just gone now, Lorena says. Same time as my child. Maybe it's something, or maybe Big Auntie is missing too. I will tell you something. I do not trust a lady that pretends to be pregnant over and over again. That is some spooky-ass behavior. Mm-hmm. It never ends well. Like, tell me no. one instance of that ending well. No. No. It's such a narcissistic like yes creepy creepy manipulative yes like yeah that's not good like people who pretend to have cancer or pretend to be pregnant for attention uh -uh. nope bad news bad news get that shit sorted out yep lorena is a residential school survivor and so too was her mother Mm. She grew up in an abusive dysfunctional home on White Bear Reserve, ran away to Regina at the age of 13, and stole food out of the dirt of backyard gardens to survive. Mm. She's an admitted alcoholic. Many journalists made mention that she was drinking during their interviews. Mm. She started working as a sex worker herself after Tamara went missing. Mm -hmm. Lorena lost her family pictures when someone threw all of her stuff in the garbage a few years ago. Who? I don't know. Oh my god. The only photos she has of Tamara now are the ones on missing child posters. Jesus Christ. Lorena and Dean MacArthur are still together on and off. Quote, more on than off, she says. Police tried hard to turn them against each other, but she always believed him in the end. Mm-hmm. He may be all kinds of things, she says, but he's not a baby killer. Quote, if I thought he did something to my daughter, I would have killed him myself, mm-hmm. she says. Mm-hmm. She continues, I think the police were just so sure they figured... These guys are a bunch of nobodies. She did her own child. They already had their conclusions drawn before they even tried to look for anything. Right. The suggestion she could have had something to do with her daughter's disappearance still pushes Lorena to the edge. She's had enough of the police, has grown used to the accusations. In the past 16 years, she's repeated her story publicly many times, and it has never really changed. Mm-hmm. Regina police have never released full details about the investigation into Tamara's disappearance on the grounds that it remains open. They say the same things they've said since the beginning, that there remain important unanswered questions about the comings and goings from the house on Ottawa Street that night, that they will continue to investigate every tip, that they won't stop looking for Tamara until they find her. Mm. The years since Tamara's disappearance have exposed the epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada. Mm-hmm. Responding to repeated calls from Indigenous groups and other activists, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau established the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls in September of 2016. Good. The inquiry revealed between the years of 1980 and 2012, Indigenous women and girls represented 16% of all female homicides in Canada, while constituting only 4% of the female population. Holy f- Fucking shit. Mm -hmm. That is a terrible statistic. Yes. The 2011 Statistics Canada report estimated that between 1997 and 2000, the rate of homicides for Aboriginal women and girls was almost seven times higher than that for other females. Jesus, I knew it was an epidemic, but that is 
so much worse than I even so thought it was. Much worse. Holy shit. Compared to non-Indigenous women and girls, they were also, quote, disproportionately affected by all forms of violence. Mm-hmm. They are also far more likely than other women to go missing. Right. In the United States, Native American women are more than twice as likely to experience violence than any other demographic. One in three Native women is sexually assaulted during her life, and 67% of these assaults are perpetrated by non-Natives. That is horrifying and just completely unacceptable. I don't even have the words. Lisa Bruner, executive director of Sacred Spirits First National Coalition, states, quote, What's happened through U.S. federal law and policy is they created lands of impunity where this is like a playground for serial rapists, batterers, killers, whoever, and our children aren't protected at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The Federal Violence Against Women Act was reauthorized in 2013 and for the very first time gave tribes jurisdiction to investigate and prosecute felony domestic violence offenses involving both Native American and non-Native offenders on reservations. Holy shit. 2014? 2013. 2013. So for the very first time, oh my god, they could they were given the power to police. Wow, to prosecute offenses. Oh my god, yep. In 2019, the Democratic House passed HR 1585, Violence Against Women Reauthorization Act of 2019, by a vote of 263 to 158, which increases tribes' prosecution rights much further. You want to guess what happened? Uh, crimes went down. Oh, no, no. So it passed the House. Oh, and then it did. And then it went to the Republican Senate. Oh. And uh, the progress stalled. And they just put, they pushed it on through and they took care of their fucking, the native people of this land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be great, right? <sighs> like, why wouldn't you problem. push that through? Why wouldn't you push that through? What would the point of not passing that be? Because you're racist. What is the threat to you to not protect people in this fucking country? Because you're pandering to your white supremacist. Yeah. Your white supremacist constituency. Mm -hmm. Yep. I just got all like angry in my eyes. I know, man. (laughs) (laughs) If you're here for the comedy, this is not the week. (laughs) No. No. And it's one of those cases that I picked not. I don't know. Like I started reading and then I got into it and then I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. I'm I, look, I think that the thing not to get too far off track too quickly, but the thing that this podcast is teaching us is that true crime is all of this stuff. This is all right. true crime. And so there's right. no, you know, I think we listen to it cause we like serial killers and weird stuff like that. But then once you start looking at the world through the lens of this podcast, you're like, holy shit, man, it's, mm-hmm. it's, all true crime like mm-hmm. uh and so it's really hard for this to be fun sometimes mm-hmm. you know um it's weird that it is we've touched on that before but it's um yeah especially right now it definitely mm-hmm. takes a turn from entertainment into pure like reporting right 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 yep and then you come across cases like this which are quote not fun right but feel really important to tell. That's exactly what I mean. Right. Yep. Yep. So the police investigation into Tamara's disappearance is one of the largest and most expensive in Regina's history. The reward for information that leads to finding her is now at $50,000. Russell died on January 1st, 2009. Hmm. 
quote, with his family by his side, according to his obituary. Many of the police officers who worked on Tamara's case have retired or moved from the department to other jobs. From the article in The Walrus, quote, When I ask Lorena whether she thinks Tamara will ever be found, she struggles for an answer. Quote, I don't know, she says. But can I tell you about a dream I had? There were two, both so vivid, it's as if they were real. In one, Tamara is inside a big house in a city Lorena has never seen. There are silk clothes draped around and broad windows, and Tamara is upstairs sitting on the edge of a bathtub, putting on stockings. She's grown, with dark, shiny hair like her mother's, but cut straight all around. In the other dream, Tamara is still a little girl, running into her mother's arms. I'm going to to get my shit together, hold on. Sure. I swear to God, if either of my children ever go missing, I know. Kick somebody in the teeth. <laughs> okay. I know. She's grown with dark, shiny hair like her mother's, but cut straight all around. In the other dream, Tamara is still a little girl, running into her mother's arms. Quote, There you are, Lorena says. There you are. She picks up her child and holds her until Tamara wriggles free and is lost again. Mm. God. <sighs> yeah. If anyone has information on Tamara Keepness's disappearance, contact the Regina Police Department at 306-777-6500. And there you go, Court. Oh, man. Fuck. I think that lady took that little girl. That is Big so sad. So sad. Uh, this is when tragedy begets tragedy begets tragedy right like right we just don't ever right. get a break and then you and then you get the worst then the worst thing yep. happens yeah and you come from generational trauma yep you know and have no coping yeah self-medicate like crazy right. and that leads you to make the worst mistake you could possibly make yep yep jesus man Ugh, no. that one's no. a big old bummer, but I really, really, really hope Big Auntie took her and that she's still alive and that she's putting on stockings in a place with big windows. I mean, I wish she was with her family, but I really hope she's alive and that she's okay. God, what happened to that little girl, man? Guys, let's find her. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, we've got a lot going on, but I probably could take a trip to Saskatchewan and try to figure some shit out, right? I would love to. Let's do it. <laughs> oh boy! That, yeah, thank you for telling that one. That one is not a uh, <laughs> quote-unquote fun one, but that's super important. I had no idea that the statistics were so fucking dire. Yeah, I don't know what I thought they were, but that's bad. bad. Very bad. So I know there are multiple podcasts about missing and murdered women in Canada. Missing and Murdered, set put out by the CBC. I listened to Chloe, Missing and Murdered, which is an excellent series. There's Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls podcast. I have not listened to that. Oh, yeah. If you look, there's just, it's just endless, the number of podcasts. And thank God, fucking amazing. Yeah. Yep. Like, find those goddamn girls. Stop taking them and murdering them. I mean, right. Oh, I just don't even know what to say about it other than nope. good job. Thank you for telling the story. You're welcome. And <laughs> if anybody, yeah. yeah, if anybody has any information, big auntie, if you're listening, please bring that girl home 
or email they will kill podcast at gmail.com and we'll take it from here that's right tell us what's up so it's been a hell of a week yeah you guys yeah i think courtney and i are both <laughs> exhausted yeah i'm sure you are too but um, also at the same time i do feel in this moment right now i feel exhausted it's been a a hell of a day but overall i don't want to make this seem like wham i certainly don't want to make this seem like wham for us because right, we're yes, fucking fine but i th- am very happy that this is happening extremely behind this a billion percent this needs to happen this shit needs to stop and we need to make structural changes to the way our police forces operate if at all um yep. And they are already happening. I mean, LAPD is being defunded by like 150 million, which isn't a whole lot considering their budget is between like one and three billion a year. But it's something. Tons of petitions to sign, tons of action to take. Go to their organizations like Campaign Zero that's doing tremendous work. It's toward police reform. I could go into everything that they've learned and I had no idea. But most of the time, police are immune to prosecution, which is fucking insane. I think we are all operating under the assumption that they had the same laws and rules that we do, but they don't. And I'm serious. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. psychotic. So they can get charged potentially, but the likelihood of them getting prosecuted is very, very, very slim because the unions have negotiated contracts that protect them from prosecution. So... Lots to do, you guys. Lots and lots and lots and lots of work to do. And Sadie and I have talked a lot about this because over the years and, you know, when things, when protests happen and, you know, we all get really excited and we get super engaged and then it kind of dies down and then we kind of go back to business as usual. But I think the thing that I'm learning and Sadie is learning are the ways that we can be helpful. And I think people get overwhelmed and then just stop doing anything at all. And I think if you just... Think about who you are and think about all the different ways that are available to help. Like some people are fucking badasses. Like they are activists, they're organizers, they are hardcore in their message. And we need to be listening to them and taking a cue from them. But you don't have to feel guilty if you aren't them. You know, aspire to be them. But the point isn't for us all to be that person. We are not all that person. So whoever you are, whatever you're good at, find a way to help, find a way to give, find a way to amplify the movement, put your body in the protest, donate, share information, talk to other white people. Like I've talked about fucking vote, raise your kids, right? Educate yourself. Yes. There's so many ways to help. So figure out what it is that you're good at and what aligns with your life and what you can continue, what you can sustain forever. Like what can you do Mm -hmm. forever to keep this moving? Because that's what it's really going to take. And donate to those organizations who are doing it, man. I I cannot say enough. If you have the means, donate. If you don't, share. You know, share that information as much and as often as you possibly can. And educate other people. I know. That's that's what I feel like is happening in my brain and body right now is just like wide open. And just taking it in, taking it in, learning, 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 trying to catch up and then feeling the guilt for me comes in like, God, why are you like, yeah, you know, yeah, why is it taking this long? Yeah. And it's been coming slowly over the years. It's not like I haven't done anything. 
course. But now I feel like a lot of us are are waking up and being like, oh shit, I yeah, I am responsible for. I'm this. complicit in this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's hard to swallow. It's easy to want to turn away and ignore. Yep. Um, and it's time to knock that shit off. Absolutely. Speaking to myself. Yeah. You know, it's time to 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 do it, to do it, do this, you guys. <laughs> well, and then I look at like everything in my life and, you know, I want to be right and I want people to like me and, you know, it's just like a human reaction, but then do I really, you know, right. <laughs> does mm-hmm. it really matter? Is it more important that people like me or is it more important that people aren't getting fucking murdered? You know, right. that black right. people aren't getting harassed and held back and, you know, having living in places where they don't have equal access to basic resources, medication, food, you know, I mean, we can go on and on and on, but if I lose my podcast, if I lose my fucking uh, a sale, you know, if I lose Mm -hmm. my business, ultimately I'll still be fucking fine. you know. And I need to put those things on the line for what's right. And that's what I'm learning right now is that I am willing to do that and I will do that and I will speak out at the cost of my own personal gain. If I, if I lose from this, which I don't think I will, but if I do, that's okay because it's that fucking important. Yep. You know? Yep. We've had the head start. Yeah. For hundreds of years. Yes. Like to to punt it. My production company fails because I, Mm-hmm. support this movement I'll become a fucking bartender whatever you know <laughs> like, right. I'll yeah. still live in a beautiful place I'll still have a wonderful wife I'll still have the cutest fucking dogs on the planet and that's really ultimately all that matters to me so yeah. just look at look at your life look at what you have and what you can share and you know do that be brave be kind you know but be direct and be brave mm-hmm. and Know your audience. You know, when you're talking to somebody who understands what you're talking about, it's easy to, like, just say how you feel and get get people to agree. If you're talking to somebody right. who doesn't agree with you, you need to, you know, and they, like super social justice people call it pandering. I, I'm not saying you have to pander to them because, again, it's not about me wanting them to like me. It's about me wanting them to understand what's going on and to get mm-hmm. the fuck on board. So... I'm going to change my language when I speak to somebody in central Indiana so that they are hearing me, trusting me and absorbing the information that I'm giving them. It's not right. about, otherwise it's just going to, they're going to shut down and yeah. Their eyes and move on. Right. And then we just lose another potential ally. So yeah. I am all about gaining allies. Some people aren't and that's fine. Black people certainly don't need to be doing that fucking work. Both be no, very that's, clear. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That is white people work yes. for. Her. Black people can say whatever they want. You can look them in the face and scream at them and they deserve it. And that is fine. Yep. But yep. me speaking to other white people. Yes. Yes. Yep. And what I've been noticing is that it's like a waterfall, right? Mm-hmm. So we speak our mind being on the more liberal side of things. Of course people less liberal but still closer to us hear it they take it they talk to their people who are less liberal who are you know yeah. it becomes more digestible and you know i've just noticed on facebook in particular when when our dear friends who maybe are more conservative christian mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know mm-hmm. um, when they speak their heart 
people are listening. Yes, and they are. And that's yeah. Huge. Yes. So just, it's scary, but, you, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And it's and complicated, it, and there's no just one answer, and there's no one just one way to do it. And you could be speaking on one issue, and then there's, you know, like, oh, but the riot, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, guys, let's stay focused on what's what matters. And that's the fact that black people need change. It's not fair. They're not safe. Mm-hmm. And we can do something about it. So let's fucking do something about it. And thank you so much to the people on Instagram, on Facebook, who are so supportive. I can tell that the people who listen to this podcast are fully on board. I see mm-hmm. it. Keep it up. I'm so proud of you. Yep. Um, you're doing it. Yeah. We've, we've had some requests from listeners that want us to cover mm-hmm. these relevant cases. Um, as much as we would love to do that, I feel like, uh, Courtney and I have talked about it already, but they're getting a lot, obviously a lot of attention and their, their voices are out there. Their stories are out there. Right. And it feels like, if we were to cover them right now, it would only be for our own gain. Yep. And I definitely don't want to do that. Nope. So, you know, in the future, you know, especially if, as things die down and it's not in the media cycle, mm-hmm. would love to revisit it and keep talking about it and bringing it back up. Of course. But I think as as it stands right now, we're going to let let the story play out as it's as it's as it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What else? I will say, uh, too, I'm not ready to talk about it on social media yet because I don't think it's time for social media to not be about the cause. But we are approaching 20,000 downloads, which is fantastically wonderful. And thank you so much. I think we plan to do a giveaway every 10,000 for the time being. If that starts happening like daily, then we might. <laughs> <laughs> I have to yeah, be careful. Yeah, we'll have to scale that number. But for now, the plan is every 10,000 downloads we will do a giveaway and part of that giveaway, you know, we'll do the fun goodies that you guys get, but we will also each donate a hundred dollars to the giveaway and four people will be able to enter. And if we draw your name, you get to pick a charity that we donate to. And so four charities will get $50 every time we hit another 10,000 downloads. So it's a good way for us to continue our charitable giving. Um, That's something to look forward to. And Yep, and I think hopefully as this podcast grows and we start making money eventually, then we'll increase our giving. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, yeah. Jesus, the whole reason I've always said I would be the best rich person because I really just want to get be rich. rich. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love giving away money and things. I love it. Yeah. It just it makes me so happy to help people. So <laughs> share this shit, and if we get rich everybody wins. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, I need to set up some future funds for my nephews, but beyond that, yeah, we will always, always, always give more than we receive. It's just just in our nature. Yep. Uh, What else? Uh, So we got a couple shout outs to do. Yes. Um, I want to real quickly (laughs) give a shout out to my wonderful dog groomers. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a fun experience. I, I have a, a giant doodle dog. She's a Bernadoodle. So I took her to the groomer today and had a really fun experience where Megan, who I've grown up with, we we grew up with, mm-hmm. uh, is is a groomer. But uh, Megan's employee, Morgan, was waiting patiently and I was getting ready to leave. And she's like, Sadie, I love your podcast. And I want you to know, girl, I love you. 
So thank you. It made my day. It was a hard day and you made it brighter. So thanks for that. Same. Hearing that we have a fan in the world is mm-hmm. it's very yeah. special. That's a very special yes. feeling. Yep. What else? We had another shout out. Oh yeah, we have a shout out. Our friend our friend said that her twelve year old daughter has started listening to the podcast and it's helping her kind of get her room clean and do her chores and her tasks. And Sadie and I were total horror kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been watching horror and reading horror since I came out. So at first we're like, ah, is that like, is that too young? And they're like, oh, hell no. By the time we were 12, we were like full Stephen King, Dean Koontz, eh, like the scarier, the better. So yep. that I, I support kind of support children listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, no, what I do, I support our 12 year old Abby. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that liking spooky things means you're probably funnier, smarter, and more empathetic. I just think that of all the people that I know that love true crime and horror, they are generally kind, smart, empathetic people. So good for you, kiddo. Keep it up. That's right. Go to school, do your laundry, listen to your mom. Yeah. Listen to your mom, (laughs) listen to our podcast. (laughs) Uh, and very quickly, we want to share a promo of a fellow podcast, a fellow true crime podcast out of Portland, Oregon, as you all know, was our previous home. So we're going to play their promo right now. Calling all true crime fans, murderinos, crime junkies, and wine coven members. Have you listened to Murder in the Rain yet? Murder in the Rain is a true crime podcast based in the Pacific Northwest, focused on the local cases that make us the notorious home of bizarre crimes and serial killers. I'm your host, Alicia Holland. And I'm your host, Emily Rowney. I'm Josh. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. I was. In each episode, we will cover a case to bring you all the details of the crime. We often feature interviews with people close to the cases, including authors, victims, doctors, and detectives. Most content is dark and not suitable for young or sensitive listeners, but we do try to lighten the mood by providing a blooper reel at the end of every single episode. Trust me, you'll love it. Check us out today, and if you like us, don't forget to subscribe, follow us on social media, and leave us a review. Our website, MurderInTheRain.com, has additional content, podcast feeds, discount codes to some of our sponsors, and an interactive map with locations for each episode. I guess we don't have to. I was like, then we have to be quiet. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. So, yeah, keep it up. Keep it up to our black listeners. We've got, we are fucking on your side, working our asses mm-hmm. off. Everybody else, keep up the good work. We got a lot of work to do, and let's goddamn do it. That's right. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. And in the meantime, you can participate with us on social media at They Will Kill on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our, Ooh, you know what? Tell me. We have like five new followers on Twitter. And I didn't even do anything what? to get them. I know we're up to like 20. <laughs> Shit, man. So, Hey, if you are on Twitter, go follow us over there. I, we are still trying to figure it yeah, out, we... but I was really, I checked for the first time in a while. I was like, Oh, Hey guys. Yes. But thank you. 
Thanks. We're practically for sponsored that. at that point, right? I know. I, again, I don't know how Twitter works at all, but <laughs> God. Um, no, that's awesome. Our website is theywillkill.com, right? Yes. God, <laughs> sorry. I'm so tired. I and you can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Yes, please. please. Uh, thank you, AJ, for your music. I hear he has some music coming out. Oh, soon. boy. We'll promote that for sure. Yeah. And remember. Just fucking let's change the world. Let's k- yeah. keep it up, guys. Black Lives Matter. That's th- that's it. <laughs> yep. We love you very much. We love you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so thank much you. for listening. Thank you. And for changing the world. We love you guys. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.